You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. All right, today is a unique day, a special day. You might have noticed uh, we only did one song. There will be more songs later. Um, it's Baptism Sunday, and uh, you know we've never done one of those here today. We actually have this, this pool of water over here. And uh, an opportunity to be baptized, if that's something that you want to do. Um, but it reminds me, it, it's interesting, there's a lot of things that as, uh, as a leader and as someone who leads a, a church community, you don't want to do some things when you don't know how they're going to end, right? Like you're just like, you know, if we're going to go to Azalea Fest and have a booth, I kind of want to know that's going to be good for us. Or if we're going to have church service, I want to make sure it's going to be in a building that we can have that works. Today was an interesting day because we decided, let's pick a day in the future. Let's have a day where we bring in a baptistry, we pray about it for several weeks, and then we just see what happens. And so I don't have any idea if he's going to get baptized today. And if they don't, it'll be totally worth it. Um, it reminds me of a story of my buddy uh, named Aaron, who's a, a preacher up in Portsmouth, Virginia. And uh, he did this same thing a couple of weeks ago. And they had a sale just like had extra clothes for people if they want to change. Had, the, of course, a baptistry a pool and had towels and everything. And so the, the, he got up and he preached. And the band got up on stage. They played some music. And this guy started coming forward to talk to him. He's like, oh, sweet. This guy's going to get baptized today. So he leans in. The guy's like, and he's like, hey, uh, do you want to get baptized today? And the guy was like, uh, no, nah, man. Um, I was hoping I could borrow one of those towels my daughter spilled or Dr. Pepper. So, like, I don't know whether, whether you think you might want to get baptized today or you might want to borrow a towel. Either way, it's going to be an exciting day. Uh, we're in this series called Under Construction. And, and it's the idea of looking what it means to have a life built by God. And so for three weeks, we've been talking about these basic premises of having a life built by God. The first one being faith. Faith is this foundation that we build on and knowing that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he's going to do. And that's faith. And the second week we talked about confession. Using your mouth to say, yes, I do believe this and telling other people about it. So that's confession. Last week we talked about repentance. That idea of having a change of our mind towards God and towards sin and towards the world. Because we're like, you know what? I want to pursue God so I have to change how I think about things. So faith, confession, repentance. Three vital, essential elements. And if you look through the entire Bible from the beginning uh, to the end and in the modern times, God has always required these three things. Faith, confession, and repentance. But then comes this awesome fourth thing that hits the scene when Jesus comes and begins to offer a, a new and special doorway into God's love. It's baptism. It's this expression of what we desire from God. It, what is baptism though like i just want to kind of call out an elephant in the room uh at least to me when i think about baptism and i compare it to a lot of other things in christianity or even in world religions i look at baptism and i go it's kind of weird i mean it's kind of weird baptism the other three make a lot of sense it makes sense that, that god would want us to trust him have faith in him to believe in him. like that faith and belief part that that makes sense if there's a god and he's real, and he's shown himself to us. It makes sense that God would want us to believe in him, right? The confession, that makes sense. If you believe something, you should say it. I believe that so-and-so makes the best cheeseburgers in town. Like, we should confess that. And if we believe something about God, we should say, I believe that God exists and that Jesus came and that he's the son of God and I can have my sins forgiven. Like, I can believe that. It makes sense. Confession makes sense. Repentance makes sense. God's like, I don't want you to live like that anymore. Change the way you think about life. Change the way you think about sin. That makes sense. And then you get to this fourth thing. And God's like, and then I want you to get somebody to dunk you under some water. And you're like, what? what? Why? Why baptism? I want to give you a really honest answer. 
I'm not sure. I don't know why when God looked at all of the things that he could look at in all the world that he thought that using water to set apart a moment with him was something he wanted to do, but he did. He did. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look into the Bible at where baptism hits the scene and what the early teachers in the church taught about it and what Jesus said about it. Here's what I know to be true. That God loves to give us visual reminders of spiritual realities. I said that a few weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. God loves to give us visual reminders of spiritual realities. How many of you have one of these on your finger right now? A wedding ring? Yeah. It's a visual reminder of a spiritual reality. You've been united with, with one another before God and your friends. There's that whole ceremony. But sometimes we're stupid and we've got to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And there's moments that we can remember. And so let's just take a look at the very first time that we see baptism mentioned in the Bible, Christian baptism, New Testament, Jesus-style baptism. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I'll just give you the background on this very briefly. This is about 50 days after Jesus has risen uh, from the dead and gone back into heaven. And his followers are still in Jerusalem, which is kind of the epicenter of what's happening with Christianity. And in this moment, on the day of Pentecost, which is a big celebration, a big festival, where there are thousands and thousands of people who have come back to Jerusalem for this pilgrimage moment, they're standing there, and they begin to preach. And they preach and, and they start to talk about who Jesus was. And they start to talk about how he was crucified, but he rose from the dead. And they start to talk about the miracles that people had seen him do. And the people in the crowd were like, yeah, I remember that guy. I was there. I saw some of those miracles. Actually, I was healed. I was once sick and I was healed. Or I remember my cousin talking about hearing this guy Jesus preach. And then he talks about sin and how it separates us from God. And as they sit there, they think, we've made a mistake. We made a mistake. Jesus was moving among us, and then we decided to crucify him. But it's okay, because he's God, and he rose from the dead. Then they come up with this amazingly good question. They ask Peter, the guy preaching the sermon, they say, Excuse me, sir, um, what should we do? What, what should we do? I mean, we see who Jesus is, and we see, we see what's happening in our lives, and what should we do about it? And Peter's response is the first time we hear about Christian baptism right here. Uh, first time we see it. Acts 2, verse 38, Peter says, Well, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I said it was the first time it was mentioned. Actually, Jesus talks about it earlier, much earlier. But this is the first time people look at it, and Jesus has done his act on the cross, and it's time to make a decision. You know what happens? Over 3,000 people make that decision that day. Right here, in a moment like this, they're sitting, they hear something good, and they say, what should we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. He also says there's going to be some awesome gifts, forgiveness of sins. I could go for some of that. <laughs> and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about both of those things in a second, but baptism? Why baptism? Why isn't there just like a covenant that you can sign? Why isn't it just like a, a, just a moment you can have and just be like, um, God, we're good now, right? That's not what he says. Repent and be baptized. I want to take a look at one of the, the most medious sections in the Bible about what baptism is. And it's in the book of Romans. If you've got a Bible with you today, pull it out. You guys should turn it on and scroll down if you use the digital style. That's awesome. Uh, if you don't have one today, we give them away. There's several under the seats. You can also pick one up at the back table straight to the back for free before you leave. Please don't leave without a Bible. If you don't have one, we've got free ones. We'll be in Romans chapter 6 and. um Romans is a book in the New Testament of the Bible, and it's, it's this teaching book. Uh, if you look at the entire Bible, the last third of it, 
is the New Testament. It's a section that teaches about Jesus and the early church and how we should live our lives. And many of the sections of this last part of the Bible are letters written to churches by people like Paul. You might remember I've said this many times. Paul was a guy who actually was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians because he disagreed with them. But then he encountered Jesus. He learned what Jesus was all about, changed his life, changed his perspective. And then he becomes the most outspoken Christian of them all, becomes the greatest missionary we ever had, and ends up writing most of the New Testament of the Bible. That's an awesome story to me. But we find ourselves in the book of Romans, and Romans is this pretty lengthy uh, exposition on Christian living. It's one of the longest books in the New Testament. It's one of the most complete, detailed books on how we can live our life and what the kind of mechanics of God and us are. We're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to be starting in verse And through this passage that we're going to read, my goal is to show us three pictures of baptism. I'm a visual learner. I love visual mnemonics. Maybe you do too. And so up here behind me, I've got these three big black panels. I'm going to flip them around. They're going to be three images that come to mind when we read what Paul says about baptism. And so we're just going to start out in Romans chapter 3, 6, starting in verse 3. It says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live new life. I want to give you a snapshot here. This first one, it's not something you see very often in Wilmington. Can you see that? It's an empty tomb, empty grave. It's, it's similar to the one you might see around Easter time. We talk about Jesus rising from the dead. you got the big stone that's rolled over the door there. It's empty. Why baptism? You know, baptism is a pretty awesome visual of what happens to us spiritually. A physical reminder of a spiritual reality. If you've ever seen a baptism, a cool thing happens. Someone gets down in the water. Another person holds their their hands in their head and dips them into the water. Jesus died and he was buried. This passage says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. But Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He didn't. He had the power of God living inside him. He rose from the dead. So the last part says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live new life. Why did God give us baptism? It's a snapshot of a new life. You say, that's me. That's the old me. I'm done with the old me. I'm done with my old problems. I'm done with my old ways. I'm done with my old mindset. I give it up to God. I'm going to bury it in the waters of baptism to be raised to walk in newness of life. And listen, I I told you that Peter on the first day of the church in Acts chapter 2, he said, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is driving your life? What is the life force of your life. If you're outside of God, I'll tell you what the life force of your life is. It, it's you. You decide what you're going to do. That's how, that's how you roll. That's how you power yourself. But God promises us something different. He says, I will power you with my Holy Spirit. Be baptized for the gift, forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit in a little bit. But what an awesome opportunity. You know, also in the book of Romans, Paul writes, The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. He's talking to a group of Christians there. It's awesome. It's powerful. It's new life. The Holy Spirit is what the Bible calls the presence of God in your everyday life. As God is is interacting in the world, like he's there 
But when you accept him into your life, he moves alongside you and he helps you make decisions and he helps to motivate and change you. You can't do it by yourself. So this is the first image that Paul gives us here. An empty grave, a new life. When we think about baptism, that's not all. There's more. If we keep reading this passage, he's going to give us two more images, okay? And so I want to show them to you. And the first one is this. This is something I mentioned already. Recognize these? There's a couple of wedding rings. Now, we wear wedding, wedding rings as a sign of a covenant between a husband and a wife. Wedding rings are an opportunity to say, I made a commitment, and I want to remember it, and I want to wear this for the world to see. In a wearing, wedding ceremony, uh, two people become united. Paul was teaching in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5 one time, the same guy, Paul. And he's talking about marriage, and he's talking about the roles of husband and wife, and how we should look out for each other, and how we should love each other. But in that passage, he actually mentions, of all things, baptism. It's crazy. This is an, it's not going to be on the screen, but I'll just share it with you. Ephesians 5.26. He says, uh, it says that Jesus made his church holy. Oh, it is on the screen. Holy, cleansing her by the washing with water. That's baptism. And so that's what Jesus does for the church. He washes us with the water of baptism. In a wedding ceremony, two people become united. And I want to look at what happens in this passage in Romans 6, 5. But first, it was the mid-90s, and I, I met this awesome girl. And she was hot. She was super cute. And uh, I was like, man, I, you got my attention. So later, I was pumped because I found out we had a geometry class together. So we started talking. By the way, I'm talking about my wife in case you're like thinking that's creepy. And I'm thinking, like, man, i got to get this girl's number, so I do. And we start talking. We become friends. By 1999, we're spending a lot of time together, a whole lot of time together. I start to like her. Pretty sure I love her. In fact, I love her so much that we begin the conversation about getting married. Because I want to take my like for her and my love for her, and I want to cement it and make it forever and for always. And so we decide to get married. Now, here's something I want to let you know about our marriage. We've been married 12 years now. It's been awesome. And as I look at our life, <laughs> we've had ups and we've had downs. We've had moments where it's like, this is bliss. This is awesome. We've had other moments where it's like, what are we even fighting about? You've been in those moments? Like, what is the moments that we can get in this huge argument that would, if you were dating, that the couple might have broken up. Like, it just the uncertainty involved. Like, where are you right now? Like, what are you, what's going on in your head? But we're married. We're married. We're united. It's, it's easy to get in a fight, but it's kind of hard to get unmarried. Now, this, this moment of marriage that we had, if you looked at us beforehand, and then you looked at us afterwards, very little difference. What was the difference? We were united. We were married. It was a covenant that we made between God and ourselves and our friends, and we said, we are united and let no person tear this apart. It's a union. And so when we look at Romans chapter 6, verse 5, as he's continuing to talk this, about baptism, think about these rings and listen. It says, For we have been united with him, Jesus, in a death like his, baptism. We will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Raised to walk in newness of life, but even more than that, an opportunity to be in heaven, a resurrection. It says that there's a uniting that happens in baptism. So here's a picture. Here's a snapshot. Why baptism? Because it's about a union. You know, uh, God loves to give us physical reminders of spiritual realities. This is so important. It's so important for us to see 
some, some believers have, have had this uh, string. People who believe in Jesus have had this string of emotional experiences. And you come to a church service, you might go to an event, you might be listening to something on the radio or some preacher, and you're like, yes, yes, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. And those are like the good dates that you have before you get married. Those are like those awesome moments where you're making googly eyes at each other. But then you have these fights with God. Something crazy, something tragic happens, and you're just like, what? What? What's going on? And, and you're like, I don't even know where I stand with you, God. And, and not because of him, but because of us, we might even feel like, I don't even know where you stand with me, God. And we start to doubt that. God said, look, I, I want to give you something to cement this relationship. Something that you can look back to as a moment of union. Sometimes if, if, you're, if you're with a friend who's having marital problems, they come to you for counseling. Like You're, you're going to go to them and be like, look, man, look, don't, you can't run out on them. You're married to them. You're not dating anymore. You're married. You can't go see other women or other men. You're married, man. Come on. You can't do this. Remember the wedding? Remember the rings? Remember the preacher in the church and whatever else? Remember that? It's really cool because when you look through the Bible, uh, this same kind of thing happens to us. If you look at the context of, uh, of uh, Romans chapter 6 and you go back to verse 1, we find that Paul is in this, this kind of dialogue where he asks this rhetorical question. He says, okay, wait, let me get this straight. So if we go to Jesus and he forgives our sins, then we should just be able to sin all we want to, right? We should just go on sinning because grace is just going to keep being there, right? But then he answers his own question. He says, no. No, you died to your old self. You put that to rest. Let's not live in that anymore. Let's pick up a new life and let's walk in a new way. And then you know what he does? He reminds them of their baptism. Remember your baptism? Remember the water? Remember the preacher? Remember the church? You can't just walk out like this. You can't go out cheating on God. So let's look what he says in Romans 6, 6 through 7. He says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, with Jesus. When? I don't remember getting crucified. I feel like I remember that. Like it would be a big event in my life. He's saying, no, the whole point here is baptism. You were crucified with him and buried with him in his death. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You left it in the water. That's the old you. Move forward. And you can read this verse from the, from the beginning to the end of the whole passage. And what you learn is the goal is to not go back to sin. The goal is to not go back to the old self. And the goal is to say, anytime I forget where I stand with God, I go, no, I stood before God in baptism. And I made a vow to him. And even when I, when I falter and when I fail, God still loves me because we are united. His grace is sufficient. It's a pretty awesome story. So you got these two pictures, okay? We got the grave. We got the empty grave. The second one is this, a union, like a wedding ceremony. You know, I just got a question. Is there any part of you, if you've never been baptized, is there any part of you that's just like, I just wish I could put the dead self of my past behind me. Like, I wish I could just move on. Maybe, maybe baptism is what you need to get a fresh start so God can say, let me come in, let me cleanse you, and let's begin over. Maybe, maybe there's been some kind of wavery, flippant nature in your relationship with God. And you just wish you could have a moment of union with Him that you could look back on and say, this is the moment I made the decision. Maybe baptism is something that you need to consider. Because it's a chance for you to say, I want to concrete this relationship for always and forever. So, we got two pictures for baptism. The third one is this, and it's actually kind of funny. Uh, there's this uh, story I heard about this mom who was talking to her daughter about God, I guess. And the daughter said, Mom, 
why don't we get baptized? And the mom thought about it. She's pretty quick thinking. She said, well, you know how our bodies get dirty and you got to take a bath to wash it off? She's like, yeah. Well, because of sin, our souls are dirty. And so baptism is the time when Jesus comes and washes our souls. This is a little kid. She's like, oh. The kids never give up. They've always got another question. So they're like, she says, how do our souls dry off? And her dad's like, they air dry. So um, I don't know if that's true. But the point that the mom makes is pretty good. Because the Bible several times likens baptism to a spiritual washing, to a spiritual cleansing. Um, it's like Jesus looks at us and says, let me clean you from your sins. Baptism is associated with the cleaning of the thing that keeps our souls dirty, which is sin. Sin are the thoughts and the words that we live in defiance to God through. That's sin. And so in baptism, we're told that our sins could be forgiven, washed away. We already read from the first day of the church, Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, it says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. It's like a washing. It's like a cleansing. It's a fresh start. And when Paul uh, was, was becoming a Christian himself, he actually goes and sees this guy, Ananias. And Ananias says this in the passage that talks about him. He's, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And all throughout the Bible, we see this. A lot of people have reservations about taking big spiritual steps. You kind of put yourself out there. You're kind of like, I don't know if I just want to you know, do this right now. I really want to think through it. And one of the big reservations people have about baptism, and I hear this a lot, is, you know, I just really want to get my life cleaned up before I get baptized. I want to kind of get myself straight before I get baptized. Can I just, can I ease your mind a little bit if this is you? You don't clean up your life to get baptized. You don't. You get baptized so that Jesus can come in and clean up your life. It's a big difference. We can't carry the weight of the separation we have between God and us. We can't. And Jesus says, let me take care of that for you. Let me come in and wash you. Let me show you the third picture we have here. A big old bathtub. God loves to give us visual reminders for spiritual realities. He says, can I wash you? Can I make you new? Can I make you clean? You know, there were thousands of people who... When they decided to follow Jesus in the Bible, the first decision they made was to get baptized. In fact, when you look through the entire, uh, the entire body of the Bible, there are thousands, and all of them do it literally within one day, as far as we can tell. Within one day. Except for this, uh, this one guy, his name is Paul. He waited three days. I think he needed a little extra beating from God. Do you think all those people had the time to clean up their whole life before they got baptized? No, of course not. How much change can we do in one day? Most of us are liars when we say we're going to not do something tomorrow, right? It takes us a long time to reprogram ourselves. So let me encourage you today. If you're just like, I'm not ready. I'm not holy enough yet. I got these habits. I got these addictions. Then let God come in. Let him do his thing. Hop in the bathtub. Let him scrub your soul. That's what he does. So this third picture of baptism is spiritual bath. So we got an empty grave. That's something I can get behind, man. Woo! New life. I've seen so much life change from people who have given their life to Jesus. We've got this image of a union. God, this is me and you. We're making a commitment for life. And I can look back at this moment and say, that's when it happened. And then we've got this spiritual bathtub. A little scrub-a-dub-dub, and God comes into the tub. Um, now, when we get to this, this passage that we just read out of Romans, there's a lot that goes on in there. And, and we see these pictures. But here's the thing. I recognize that there are still a lot of questions people have about baptism. 
There's a few that I just want to kind of address because I think uh, a lot of times when I do the teaching here, we'll, we'll go through a large passage of Scripture about this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. In fact, at our church, that's our number one thing. We want to always look to the Bible only for our truth. But sometimes we just have specific questions that I, you don't even know where to start. I know sometimes I have to go out and talk to friends. I don't even know where to begin. So let's look at some of these questions that we have about baptism uh, that are very common. A really common question about baptism is this one. Does the water save you? I think that we would all realize, like, how many of us have been uh, swimming and, like, and surfing and in a swimming pool and taking a shower? Does the water save us? Well, certainly there's nothing about the water that does anything. If that was true, we'd all be good. I would just do, like, drive-by baptisms at the beach. Just like, bam, bam, bam. And be done. Be done. We'd be, but it doesn't work that way. The short answer is no. But, uh, but you knew that. But I want to take a look at what really does save us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, this is the gift of God. And so there's this moment where we have to realize there's nothing I can do, not even baptism, that's going to save me. God has the power to save. The, the lostness or the sinfulness that we even have is, is because of the mind and the heart of God. He's the one who looks at us and says, I want a different relationship with you. So we're saved by grace. Grace means getting the opposite of what you deserve. And, but the question is, how does baptism fit in there? Well, salvation is a gift. But imagine that I bought you a gift. I, I, I went on vacation. I went to some gift store. and I spent $5 on something that you don't want. But I got it for you anyway. And I got you this gift. And I was like, called you on the phone. and said, hey, listen, I got you this gift. Um, you want to meet up at Starbucks later and I'll give it to you? You're like, yeah, it's great. And we meet at Starbucks, at Starbucks and I give you the gift. Did you earn that gift? No. Who paid for the gift? Me. Who gave you the gift? Me. But we made an appointment to meet so that I could give it to you. Jesus says, meet me in the waters of baptism. I've got a gift I want to give to you. Do it. That's why we see thousands of people in the Bible. Not a single example of someone in the Bible who says, you know what, I'm just going to skip it. That's their first decision. Meet me there. So it's not the water that cleanses us. It's the gift of God. It's His grace. But this is the space that we can most clearly see. And have assurance. I can meet God there. The second question that a lot of people have about baptism is this. Well, how much water do you need? Now, maybe you've never asked that question, but this is a, it kind of goes into the question. Um, lots of church groups practice sprinkling or pouring. Uh, and like in other churches like us, like Adventure, we use water where the body completely gets submerged into the water. And so what's the right answer? How much water do you need? Does that make sense? Good question. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people do different things at churches. And I think the main one is it comes down to how you decide what you're going to believe and what you're going to teach. And there's two basic ways to do that. The first one is this. You read the Bible and you see what, uh, what, the, what Jesus taught and what the apostles taught. And then through the years, through hundreds of years, church tradition begins to build up. And over the years, things start to happen in your church services that people go, well, that's just what we've always done. That's why we do it. And so then the other way to, and then that's how you decide what you believe and what you teach. The other way to decide what you teach is just say, let's strip back all the tradition and the things that man has made. And let's look right back at the Bible and see what it has to say about it. And so at our church, that's what we choose to do. I believe that's the best practice. And so when you look through the Bible and you look at baptism, and the question is how much water? Uh, the first place we can start is just with the word baptism. Okay, baptism. It comes from a Greek word, baptizo, uh, and, and I've got to hear, it's, it's actually the word, you, you kind of see the English-ish word down here on the bottom. You kind of see how the word baptism kind of looks like that. It's because baptism is what you call a transliteration. What it means is there was a, a word in one language, and there wasn't an equivalent word in the other language, or 
just instead of translating the word, you just kind of keep a similar word and you, you slide it over. So baptism comes from the word baptizo. It actually more precisely comes from that by the time the Bible was translated into English in 1611, uh, it was commissioned by a guy you might have heard of him. His name is James. He happened to be the king, King James. You heard of the King James Bible? As the King James Bible was coming into being, the translators of the Bible happened to know something about old King James. When he was baptized, he was sprinkled. And so in order to not ruffle the feathers of the king, they got to the word baptism and they said, ooh, what does this really mean? Let me tell you what baptizo means. Baptizo means to, to plunge or to dunk. That's what the word baptism means. It actually means immersion. It really carries with it the idea, I don't know that we have an exact word for word equivalent in English, but the idea of going down into water and then coming back up. It's like this full motion. And so they're translating the Bible and they're like, ooh, we can't say that. Can't say that because King James is going to get mad. I wonder what they would, what would happen if they just did. Like, he was like, oh, my bad. I'll just do what the Bible says. But that's, that's not what they did. And so they make up this word, baptism. And so it's stuck. And that's the word. It's a good word. But the baptism that Jesus and the apostles were talking about was clearly the word baptizo, which means to immerse. You know why? The Greeks, which the Bible was written in Greek, the New Testament, they had a precise word for everything. They were really good with language. And they actually had a word for sprinkle and a word for pour. And if that's something that they had intended, they would have used that word. You see it in the word baptizo, but you also see it in the practice that we see the early church do and other people. Uh, for example, uh, when you're looking at the baptism of Jesus, which, by the way, Jesus did get baptized, but it wasn't the same baptism that we experienced. It was a little bit different, but it was the same motion, same word. Okay, that's a whole other sermon probably. But it says in Matthew chapter 16, as he was baptized, as it describes it, it says he went up out of the water, which indicates that he had also been, what, down in the water. So there's this motion of in and out. You see that through the actions. You also see a similar thing in Acts chapter 8, verse 39. It says when they came up out of the water, this is talking about this guy named Philip, uh, who was this dude who was talking to an Ethiopian guy, and he ends up baptizing him. Uh, actually, they were riding down a road. They were talking about Jesus, and then he talked about baptism. And the, the guy, the Ethiopian guy goes, look, there's water right there. Like, why should I wait any longer? He gets baptized immediately. It's pretty cool. They go down to and up out of the water. Again, implying immersion. So how much water? Well, I think it's safe to say that going all the way under is probably the way that people intend. The reason I say that, some of you are like, yeah, I kind of already knew that. But some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know. I've just heard a lot of things. And so you can definitely study it for yourself uh, and learn more. Don't just take my word for it. It's easy to find on the internet. It's easy to read in the Bible. Um, and then thirdly, there's the word. There's the actions we see in the Bible. And then thirdly, is this, the imagery that's set up through baptism. Death to the old me, life to the new me. And so, how much water? I recommend looking at what the Bible says and then we do it that way. So that's why we're going to do it that way here. Just baptism through full immersion. So we've got two questions. How much water? And the one that was before that, whatever it was, I forgot. And the third one is this. The third one is this. Who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? Uh, this is going to hit a, a lot of us in different places based on how you were raised. And so what I want to do is say that we're going back to the exact same premise bef as before is we're going to look to the Bible and see what it has to say about who should get baptized. This is also the question of babies and children choosing to be baptized. Again, the critical issue here is the question, what does the Bible say? Well, in the Bible, we only, only see people get baptized who have been able to make the decision that they have sin in their life and they want to live for Jesus. It's something that you might call a believer's baptism. They're old enough to discern what's going on in their life and they make a choice to live for Jesus. 
They said, but what about baby, baptizing babies? And I have a lot of friends, good friends, who that's how they were raised and, that, and, you, were, and you were baptized. Uh, well, it's not something that we see practiced in the Bible. It's not something that we see recommended by Jesus. In fact, it was never really seen until about the 4th century, about 400 years after the Bible. Um, and that's where we begin to see it practiced by some churches. And so at Venture, we look exclusively at the Bible. We want to do it, things that way. Um, not decisions made hundreds of years later by church tradition, but something that we see in the Bible. So we only baptize people who are old enough to understand and make the decision on their own. But let me just say this. There, there is no age limit on baptism. We don't see that in the Bible either. I was nine years old when I was baptized. I sometimes wonder if I was a little bit too young. Actually, almost, I won't say almost, every single terrible thing that I ever did happened after I was nine years old. I clearly did not understand the implication of sin in my life. I didn't understand what it should be to turn my life over to Jesus. I was about 18 years old when I finally said, oh, you know, the light bulb comes on. I got to start living differently. And so I don't know what your experience was. The Bible doesn't say you have to be this old. So there's discernment that has to happen there. And maybe you've got kids who are thinking about baptism. Listen, I'd encourage you just to study the Bible with them. Like, if you don't feel like you can answer all the questions, this is a great opportunity to teach your kids, like, hey, I don't know all the answers. Let's look it up together. Let's study this together. Let's see what it means to live like Jesus together. And you might make the decision as well. And so I would encourage you to do that. But I do want to say this. If you are someone who was christened and baptized as a baby or as a small child, but your, decision, your parents made the decision, that's an honorable decision. It's awesome. I'm really glad that your parents said, I want my child to live for God. I want him to grow up in the church. They made that decision for you. In fact, uh, it doesn't discount what the Bible says. In fact, next week, we're having a moment here right in front of this stage where we're going to take some of our babies, some of our young kids from the church, and some parents are going to come here. We're going to have a baby celebration Sunday. We're going to say, look, these are families with young kids, and we want to say we're raising these kids in the church. We want them to be this way. So maybe your children, maybe your parents made that decision for you. It's awesome. You know the best way that you could honor that decision? is for you to make the decision on your own. You don't worry about stressing them out or somehow making a judgment on their life. But when you call them and say, listen, I made this decision on my own. I'm doing exactly what you wanted me to do. I'm choosing Jesus for myself. I chose to get baptized. And it fulfills their hope for you. That's a lot. A lot to think about, a lot to talk about about baptism. In the last uh, little over a year and a half since Venture Church started, we've had 27 baptisms. That's awesome. In fact, I'm going to clap that out because I'm excited about it. 27 people who have said, look, I, before now, I was doing something different with my life, but I want to meet Jesus in baptism, and I want to go here, and I want to have this promise that he has given me. The reason we do that, the last thing Jesus said before leaving this earth to go prepare a place for us, Matthew chapter 28, the last thing Jesus said was this, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Disciples are followers of Jesus. Go and make followers of me. Go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Like taking them through this moment. When they decide, take them through this moment. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Why does Venture Church exist? Because we want to go into this city. We want to make disciples of people. Tell them what Jesus has done in our life. Tell them our story. Then tell them God's story. And then when they say, yes, we're in, we want to go and say, listen, you want to make a commitment to him right now? Let's have a baptism. Let's do it. Let's do it right. So 27 people have made that, and that decision. That's why Venture Church exists. Because Jesus told us to go and teach people to follow him. And when people make that choice, there are baptisms. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life in Christian baptism, man, things start to change. Several years ago, I had the pleasure of baptizing this kid named Ashante. Ashante was a tall kid. He was taller than I am. And um, I, we were studying through the Bible and talking about Jesus. And then we got to part about baptism. And I was reading Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he was like, oh, Holy Spirit, that's awesome. I'm so pumped. So he, I mentioned he was a tall kid. I take him into the baptistry at the church we were at. And I go to lean him back, and I hate it. But I banged his head on the side of the pool. Bam! And he went down, he came back, he said, Woo, I felt it! I felt it, Chris! I felt the Spirit! I'm like, I'm not sure that that's... But that's awesome. You know, um, that's a joke, and it's a true story, sadly. Uh, but you know what? The Holy Spirit coming to your life is no joke, man. Oh, man. Anybody, anybody feeling me on that? The Holy Spirit moving in your life is no joke ask any of the 27 people who have come in the last year and a half and said i want all, all in i want to die to myself i want to be in union with jesus i want to i want to have my sins washed away of course i could tell all the stories and look we're all in different places of growth there's one uh, my good buddy chris if you know chris you know how true this is and if you don't i encourage you to get to know him but chris probably i mean just two or three years ago Chris was in a place where he's like, man, I don't even know what I believe. I'm not sure what I believe about God. I mean, maybe there's a God. I'm not really sure. He was partying from one party to the next, hardly keeping his head on straight. He just let him tell his stories. I mean, he's had a video we've shown before. And he started coming to church with us here. It was Christmas Eve two years ago. It was one of the most exciting nights of my life. Actually, we were baptizing Tori that night. We went to a pool in an apartment. And we baptized her. Chris was there just because he's friends with Tori. And she got baptized. He came over. He said, hey, dude, is it? Is it too late? Like, do I need like sign up or something for this? Could I do this today? I was like, right now? He was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's get back in the water. So we, we did. He made that decision. Let me tell you guys. The Holy Spirit in your life is no joke. Watching this guy's life change has been, dude, it's been blowing my mind. <laughs> going from a place where he's just not seeking God and, and doing everything on his own. And just going from one thing to the next, the next high to the next high or whatever. And now, I mean, this guy... He's one of the, he is the first person here every week. He pulls one of the two trailers around, sometimes both of them. And a lot of times we'll get here and he'll have junk unloaded. We're like, dude, you were supposed to wait. He's like, I'm ready for church, man. I was standing with a circle with him in a circle of some friends uh, a couple months ago. And we're just talking. He's like, guys, I, I got this thing I want to share with you. He pulled out his phone and his Bible was open. He's like, man, can I just share this devotional thought? Dude teaches me something from the Bible. And I've seen his life change. Why? Because he's dying to his old self every day. He's in union with Jesus. And he's let God get rid of the sin in his life. People who have made the decision, do you still struggle? Yeah. But you don't have to carry the weight by yourself anymore. God changes your life. We're in this series called Under Construction. And this is about a remodel project. Maybe you've been living this life for years. Maybe you just, you just never seen baptism in this light before. And so as you see what the Bible says, you go, you know what? Why haven't I been baptized yet? I've been, I've been a believer for years. But I just never have made this decision. Today could be the day. You know what we've done is we've got some bins with, uh, with uh, supplies in them. Change of clothes, various sizes of shorts and t-shirts and, and underwear and stuff that you can dry off with. And we want to take away all of the things, the barriers that would keep us from making a decision. Maybe that's you today. And you're like, I just, I'm not questioning the faith I've had. I'm not questioning the life I've had, but I just need to make this decision. Jesus said I should do it. 
So we see everyone in the Bible do, I should do it. In a second, the band's going to be playing through a song. Maybe you want to make that decision. Maybe you are in a place where you're like, I haven't been living for God at all. In fact, I've been coming to church for several weeks, and I've been wondering, like, where do I sign up for, for a better way? How do I get involved in this Jesus thing? Do it today. Do it today. Stand before a group of people and say, look, I don't even know you people, but I believe in Jesus, and I want the Holy Spirit to come into my life and change me because I, I got to put the old me to death. I got to check in with God. You know what the cool thing is? The last part of that verse that Jesus taught us, he said, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. You got the rest of your life to get it right. Jesus makes it right in an instant. You got the rest of your life to figure out the rest of it. 